Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Strixhaven University Crash Course here on Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Morning, and joining me on the line is Professor Ethan Sachs. You're enrolled in Strixhaven 101. Ethan, are you ready to impart some knowledge on our students? We've got we've got a full lesson plan here, Ben. We've got six pages of show notes. We've got a full spreadsheet uh, ready to dish out some grades to these cards. A lot of uh, magic terminology really slots in nicely here to uh, <laughs> to this college-based format we're entering into. I am gassed. I don't think you've ever been so excited for a set based on flavor, at least, since we've started no, the podcast. Definitely not. But this is really speaking to me. I'm into it. Yeah, well, we have a literal teacher on our team here. So I am very excited to be dishing out our crash course studies here with you listeners over the next hour, hour plus here. We've got a lot of stuff to go over. If you've never joined us before for our first episode of a set, we do things a little differently here on Lords of Limited. We're not going to be giving you a card by card evaluation of the format. Um, we have graded all the cards in a spreadsheet, and that'll be available to you wherever you download the show. So we've got grades from myself, Ben, and Alex Nikolic from the Limited Level Ups podcast. Um, and so all of those grades are there. We're going to be giving you a lot of big picture stuff, trying to look at creature sizing, removal instances of some keywords, see how you know flying matches up, how many sweepers are there, what's the life gain synergies, any and all that good stuff to give you some some broad strokes for the format. Then we'll dive into the cards that Ben and I, when we graded these cards separately, the cards that Ben and I disagreed on. So when we've got like multiple gradation differences, he gave it a B minus, I gave it a C type deal. Um, we'll be talking about those and then we'll go through our top commons and uncommons for each of the colleges in the format. Really, really excited, Ben. Yeah, there's a lot to get to. Yeah, so we got to get to all that. First things first, a little bit of housekeeping. We got to talk about the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited, where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. Everybody gets access to the Discord via the Patreon. There's a lot of other higher rewards based on the tiers of giving back to the show. All of that's available on our Patreon page. You can go in and dive in and see what might work for you if you're interested in doing that and getting access to the Discord. Ben, what's your favorite part of the Discord once we get our hands on the cards? Oh, just going into the trophy channels, I think, and seeing what's winning. I think just what's the pick. You can literally in 30 seconds, go on and get information about the new format. Just the ease of use and how quick the deluge of information comes. I don't know. I can't pick just one thing. The Discord, the first week of a format is incredible. Yeah, it feels like that scene in the Matrix where they just like hook up to the chair and then like <laughs> download like, oh, I know Kung Fu now. It feels like you like hook into the Discord and like download Strixhaven. You're like, oh, I know how to win here. I definitely think that the trophy section is the best. Just getting to see how people are building winning decks early in the format, I think really gives you an idea of like, these are the cards that are coming up a lot. These are the cards that aren't being included in these decks. That really is helpful for me. So anyway, the Discord is gas. Patreon is gas. If you want to give back to the show, that's where you do it. And we also want to shout out our new members each and every week. So this week, we're welcoming Ryan, Byron, Jason, Carson, Colin, Karim, D Beard, Dustin, Paul, Bruno, Emmett, Skyler, 
Kong, Chris, Liam, Joshua, and Raj. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, we cannot say thank you enough. Those folks that just joined know what's up. If you're not in the Discord, what are you waiting for? Get on in. Boom. Shows also brought to you in part now by Channel Fireball. Channelfireball.com, best place to go for anything and everything you need magic related. Also with a slick new logo. Ooh, yeah, saw that. Love it. I did not realize that the previous logo had a nickname also. I also did not either. <laughs> so rest in peace, ballsy. <laughs> and there's a lot brewing over at Channel Fireball right now. Upcoming this next weekend is the Wizards Strixhaven release party that's being hosted by Channel Fireball through their Discord. And both you and I are going to be team leaders for the event. Yeah, I will be uh, on Team Witherbloom being a pest to everybody. And I'm going to be on Team Prismari representing those arts kids with pride. Nice. So if you want to join and get on the action, maybe battle against me or Ethan or some of the other Channel Fireball content creators, all you need to join is a Strixhaven pre-release kit or six draft boosters of Strixhaven. And Channel Fireball is really encouraging you to get those from your local game store. But in case you can't, they're also available via ordering through ChannelFireball.com. And then you get those packs, you open them up, you build a 40-card deck, and you're going to battle over Spell Table throughout the weekend. So if you did the Time Spiral release event, it's going to be similar to that, but I think even bigger and better. And if you didn't last time around, now's your chance. Get six packs, get in on the action. Yeah, this will be the third one that I've participated in. Now, now the last one and this one are Wizards of the Coast events as well. Uh, they're just awesome. Like the, the Call Time one was great. The Time Spiral release party was like off the hook. There were so many sweet things going on. The, I think the like team leader aspect of it really bumped it up to another level. So I'm really excited for this one. I hope you folks out there participate as well. Yeah, join my team on Prismari and we'll savage Ethan. It'll be great. Oh my God, Ben, please, please. <laughs> Winning ben. team right here. <laughs> Unreal. Uh, and for anything that you get over at Channel Fireball, make sure you use code LOL when you check out so that they know that we sent you over there and we would really appreciate that. All right, so we're going to dive in to stats. First, looking at creatures versus removal matchups. Um, there's 86 total creatures at common or uncommon, which is a low number here, but I also didn't include in this counting the like five summoning spells that make creature tokens. So those are effectively creatures. And then there's also like a bunch of weird things to count that have the ability to make XX creatures. So those are hard to, you know, figure out how, where they scale in terms of their, their power and toughness, which is what we're looking at here. So we're just looking at the actual factual creatures in this calculus. All right. So the average removal CMC we have is, oh gosh, Ben, we're, we're old. The average mana value that we have Ouch. <laughs> for removal is 3.6. And the average mana value we have for creatures, at least these actual creatures, is 3.07. So that's, you know, on average, you're going to be spending about a half a mana more to kill stuff than you are to cast stuff. When I think that's skewed upwards a little bit by the giant expensive Prismari removal spells that are mm -hmm. presumably going to be getting reduced in cost. So I don't know that I would read too much into that because there are still some hyper efficient removal spells and those hyper efficient removal spells are going to be great. Right. So take this with a grain of salt. I think this is more important to look at like specific removal matching up with stuff. So we'll start with what number percentage of creatures does specific removal hit? So looking at X1s, we have a card, Start from Scratch. This is a lesson, so it's like two in a red. Uh, you choose one, deal a damage to anything, or destroy target artifact. And that hits 16 total creatures. There's 16 creatures with toughness one, which is 19%, one in five creatures. That's a big percent that have one toughness. 
that's a huge percent and really awesome to be able to potentially go get that out of your sideboard to kill one of those or to blow up an artifact. I do think, you know, creatures look to be small in the set, but there's a lot of ways to grow them with plus one plus one counters. So I think it's a little deceptive in that respect, but still a huge portion of the creatures. Yeah, this is I'm I'm I think we're we're probably going to be having a lot of caveats like this looks deceptive or whatever, just because of, well, there's spells that make creatures and the XX tokens or whatever, like these stats may not provide us ways to grab conclusions going into week one. So moving on to things with two toughness X2s, there's a card called Lash of Malice that's single black for an instant and gives target creature plus two minus two until end of turn so you could potentially use that to pump your own bigger creatures but most commonly you're probably going to be using it to pick off your opponent's x2s maybe some apprentices or pledge mages running around yeah Um, a lot of really important uncommons that are two twos for sure so this hits 50 creatures total out of the set which is 58 percent of the overall creature base yeah, which seems like a lot, but I, I put in here that like, you know, 50% of creatures in Kaldheim were hit by Frostbite and Crush the Week, and those didn't end up being like, Crush the Week was a sideboard card in my mind, and Frostbite, you know, you wanted maybe one, but you really like, y- you wanted it in your snow decks. If it was just a shock, it wasn't that great. Right, yeah, that's especially relevant, and I feel like maybe some of that was because those creatures were being enhanced by equipment, and here mm-hmm. we're going to get plus one, plus one counters in Silver Quill and other stuff happening so yeah so i'm pretty hot on lash of malice but we'll see maybe it it, it ends up you know falling from grace like frostbite did x3s being hit by three damage spells like igneous inspiration at uncommon and rip apart which is a so igneous inspiration is deal three and learn in red and rip apart is a red white card that deals three uh that's 66 creatures total uh or 79 percent so four out of five creatures basically at common or uncommon Yeah, that's pretty significant. I do think the magic number in the format as far as like relevant toughness to dodge removal for the most part and or block really well, it seems like there's going to be a lot of 3-3 attackers potentially early on feels Mm -hmm. like four. So I think this is where you're starting to really kill a lot of the creatures that matter. Right. Yeah, I think I do think four toughness is going to be that threshold. So speaking of that threshold, moving on to creatures with four toughness, there's a common removal spell that I think both you and I are pretty hot on. Yeah. And it is called heated debate two and a red for an instant. It can't be countered and it deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker. Yeah, pretty awesome to have that a common and that hits 80 creatures total or 93 percent of the commons and uncommons. And so I think Heated Debate and Lash of Malice were two of the removal spells I was really referring to when I was talking about hyper-efficiency. I mean, those are great rates. You're going to be trading up on mana a lot with Heated Debate and Lash of Malice. Yeah, for sure. Looking at X5s, that adds four creatures uh, to the the total here. Um, we've got Pigment Storm at common that deals five and then deals excess damage to that player. And Explosive Welcome is that big spell at uncommon, deals five to something and then three to something else. So that's 84 creatures total or 98%. So there's just two creatures that dodge all of this damage-based removal. Just two. And then we can't forget best of one Bob. There is defend (laughs) the campus that can either pump your team for three and a white, uh, plus one, plus one until end of turn instant speed, or destroy target creature with power four or greater. Yeah, and there are 11 creatures total that just uh, on their face value have power four or greater. But as Ben has alluded to, there's lots of ways to augment them with the plus one plus one counters floating around. We've got uh, one equipment at uncommon that adds power and toughness. So, you know, that 11 creatures may be a little bit uh, a little bit low in terms of what you're actually going to be able to hit with defend the campus. I still think probably starting in the sideboard, but there are definitely going to be some giant fractals running around too if your opponent's playing Quandrix or whatever. Best of one, Bob does not know what a sideboard is, Ben. Come on. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you, uh, 
you broke down all the removal spells in the spreadsheet that we're going to be sharing with folks where they download the episode. What can you tell me about the removal in this format? Yeah, so there's pretty standard amount of removal. There's 23 removal spells at common and uncommon, just one more than Kaldheim had. The average cost of the removal is 3.6, and in comparison to Kaldheim was 2.95. So that half a mana there or a little bit more is a huge difference as far as like the average CMC. But again, I think it's skewed upward by some of the 7 and 8 CMC removal spells, as well as like there's some lessons that are removal. So four of the removal spells in those 23 are lessons, and all of the lessons I think are costed a little bit higher because they didn't want to make you able to go get premium removal spells out of your sideboard you know Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense again i think take it with a grain of salt it feels like the good removal is good and then there's a line and then there's the not so good removal similar to most formats Mm -hmm. the majority of it is uncommon nine of the 23 are common and 14 of the 23 removal spells are uncommon so that's a little unusual and it's skewed a little heavier towards the uncommon side and there are some pretty interesting things so first up there are zero blue removal spells that are blue only there's a couple blue green fight cards uh running around but there's nothing like a claustrophobia variant or anything like that yeah no like tap a thing it stays tapped and along those same lines there's literally no pacifism variant either and i wonder if that's because those types of removal spells would be just too good against the silver quill plus one plus one counter theme you know like if you're relying on your star people dying or whatever yeah and then you know your opponent slaps a pacifism on there but interesting that those things are not present in the format. Yeah, that's my guess as well. Now, we do have some bounce from blue, but which interacts favorably with people trying to go tall in Silver Quill. But I think that's true. Like, it would feel bad to go like Star Pupil into way to augment it. And then your opponent goes, cool, pacify it. That feels really bad. And as per usual, red and black do make up the majority of the removal. So 10 out of the 23 removal spells are either red or black. And we mentioned those four lessons. I do think, you know, you want to be careful about counting those as removal. Those are Basically, in my mind, in case of emergency, if your opponent plays a bomb, because a lot of them, you know, let your opponent draw a card or make a 3-2 or whatever. So you only want to use those in the toughest of spots. And the other interesting thing about removal is there's a lot more exile effects than normal. And again, you know, that's going to be great against Silver Quill because I think a lot of those moving plus one plus one counters around are on death and not leaving the battlefield. So some stuff to think about there. Hmm, interesting. And then as far as things that we didn't count on the removal spreadsheet, we didn't count counter spells. There's a couple of them floating around. First one is reject. I don't think this is going to be great because it can't hit spells. It's one in a blue for an instant counter target creature or planeswalker spell unless its controller pays three. If that spell is countered this way, exile it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard. Yeah, I think that card will be whatever. And you can include it or not. I don't, I don't know. And then we've got like a negate variant. And again, I don't know because, you know, like we said, creature count is lower here. So people are going to be playing more spells. There's the magecraft floating around. The spells make creature tokens, so they sort of count as creatures. So I don't know if Test of Talents, which is our negate variant, is going to be good, but it's one in the blue for an uncommon counter target instant or sorcery spell. And then you search its controller's graveyard hand and library for any number of cards with the same name as that spell and exile them. That player shuffles, then draws a card for each card exiled from their hand this way. So, you know, if they've got multiple removal spells or whatever, then maybe you can nab those as well. We also didn't count artifact and enchantment removal, and I don't think that's going to be a huge player. So there's a few different spells there. The most interesting one is Tangle Trap, which can also deal five damage to a flyer. Mm -hmm. It's one in a green for an instant. 
either deal five to a flyer or destroy an artifact. So potentially flexible. Best one Bob should like that there. Yeah, for sure. And then the last category is bounce, which you mentioned. So blue does get some great bounce spells. Divide by zero is super OP. This is two and a blue for an instant return target spell or permanent with mana value one or greater to its owner's hand and then learn. So this is essentially a one more mana expensive remand with also the flexibility to bounce. Yeah. Oh, I love thinking about it like a remand. That's so good. Yeah. And then the other bounce spell is common. It's Barian Books, four and a blue instant. Basically a split card, totally lost, put target creature into its owner's library. Second from the top, not on top, but it costs two less to cast if it targets an attacking creature. So potentially just three mana to bury a attacker too deep into your opponent's library. Yeah, I could see that being a fine playable. Maybe you're getting a blowout in combat with some magecraft triggers, but I think not probably a super high pick in my mind. Yeah, probably not, man. But I think that just speaks to the power of some other commons in blue. The other thing that we've got in this spreadsheet that we don't normally talk a lot about is a tab with all of the combat tricks in the format. And this format has a significantly large number of combat tricks, like way more than the usual format. And a lot of them have learned tacked on. So interested to see how that plays out a little bit, but just wanted to make a note on that. Nice. Yeah. So that that's also available for you to study up on there. All right. Next thing we want to take a look at is learn and lessons and just sort of the frequency that you're going to see those types of cards with and, you know, what rarity they are, that sort of thing. So in every draft pod, there are going to be 29.5 learn spells per pod and 29.4 lessons per pod, theoretically, you know, assuming the normal averages of cards are opened. And we know that there's going to be a dedicated slot for lessons in the packs. So in one common slot, it's dedicated to getting a lesson. You will either get a common, a rare, or a mythic lesson there. And then uncommon lessons will appear as normal in the uncommon slot in the packs. Interesting. So looking at instances of learn, we've got 10 at common, though really like half of those look like they're actually good, um, five to six of them. Uh, Then six at uncommon, all six of those look good, and five at rare, so 21 total. And it's pretty evenly spread across the board in terms of colors. It's slightly favored in red, blue, and white over black and green, but that's just sort of on raw numbers. The red ones, there's a lot of them, but a lot of them don't look very good. Like they're overcosted combat tricks, that sort of thing. My sleeper learn card, I think, after reading a bunch in the Lords of Limited discard is actually Study Break. It's one and a white for the instant, tap two target creatures and then learn. So you can kind of, if you have some of the summoning cards, you can kind of build your own Ardenvale tactician there. So I, I've got my eye on that one. Yeah, that looks pretty darn good. Moving on to the lessons, there's nine at common. Four of them are colorless. And then there's the five token summonings, that cycle of one for each college. There's five at uncommon. And Necrotic Fumes is one of the standout ones. This is one black black for a sorcery lesson. And as an additional cost to cast it, you exile a creature you control. Then you exile target creature or planeswalker. So that one's super powerful. And again, it looks like a huge drawback with having to exile a creature you control. But presumably you're going to be playing this in Witherbloom where you have some pest tokens running around. So it should be fairly uh, minor, I think, to actually exile one of those pests. Yeah, and and six at rare and mythic, and again, an even spread of colors here across the board, like one for each color at uncommon, that sort of thing. 
Where, where are you at on lessons and learn, Ben? How, I think this is going to be, this feels like the MDFCs or the snow mana of this format that people are going to be coming in, having different opinions of when to take these kinds of spells. But what is your thoughts going into the set? So I've gone on a roller coaster a little bit already. We've done a few practice drafts, or I personally have done a few practice drafts on my stream. I've done some through the Lords of Limited Discord. So there's a website uh, called mtgadraft.heroku. Um, it's a very nice website. You can draft, get a pot of people and draft together. And and a lot of the learn cards are not great, but the ones that are, are really, really good. So I think, you know, my plan going into it is to prioritize the super good learn cards like Divide by Zero or Igneous Inspiration, those types of cards. And then the lessons I'm planning to value pretty highly are Environmental Sciences. That's the two mana one that can let you search up a land and gain two life. Um, some of the other colorless ones are okay and I think have niche roles in decks. And then I, I am pretty high on the cycle of summoning. So I think I'm going to value those pretty highly and then try to just get a package of good learn cards and some summonings to go get. But other than that, I'm, I'm going to come in and just kind of feel it out. Yeah, well, come in and feel it out. What a, what a lame take. I want those hot, <laughs> spicy takes, Ben. Uh, yeah, I have also gone on a little bit of a roller coaster. My initial thought was like, I want to take lessons really high because it sort of feels like drafting lands in a way of having that suite of options from your sideboard when you cast a learn spell. And so it gets, feels like I get to play more of the cards that I draft in my deck, right? Because if I have this toolbox of five sideboard cards I can go get when I cast a learn spell, that feels powerful. But then when we were doing our top common rankings, I found it hard to put the lessons super high. You know, some of them I I, I got up there, but others I was like, oh, I think I am actually going to take this learn. Like there are a few learn spells that I feel like are super key to a strategy that I think you have to just take every instance that you see and then just hope you get the lessons later. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. And I mean, you're exactly right. The more lessons you have in your sideboard, the more powerful all your learn cards are because you just add modality to all your learn cards. But it's going to be interesting just to see how those stack up with like, there's a lot of just rawly powerful commons and uncommons that slot in the decks. Like how slow is, I think a lot of it's going to depend on how slow the format is, whether yeah. you're going to have time to do that and, you know, grab the lesson and cast the lesson. Like is card advantage going to be a choking point? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, and as we saw in Zendikar Rising, it just MDFCs weren't really what that set was all about. You know, that, that modality or that option of, you know, having... 20 lands slash 28 spells in your deck or whatever wasn't really that good. I mean, it was good. It wasn't ins it wasn't as insane as we thought it was going to be coming in. So I'm coming in cool on lessons and learn. I mean, I think they're going to be a good part of the format. I'm excited to draft them, but I am not planning to like draft a lesson learn deck. Another format specific thing that I wanted to just touch on. I think that the cat's probably out of the bag a little bit on this card coming off of uh, gold vein pick and call time. But team pennant is an uncommon I wanted to mention. This is a single mana equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one plus one and has vigilance and trample. The equip cost is three, but if you equip it to a creature token, it only costs one. So as we know, moving around a one mana equip cost is pretty darn good. And there's a lot of tokens in the format, Ben. There's 14 cards at common that make creature tokens and six at uncommon. I think specifically last week, you and I were talking about putting this on those large fractal tokens being pretty exciting, putting this on the flying tokens that black white makes or the three two spirits that red white makes. There's a lot of sizable tokens that are going to want 
plus one plus one vigilance and trample. Yeah, I'm all about team pennant. All right, moving on to the fixings. We always take a look at this sort of thing to see, you know, how easy it's going to be to splash or maybe play a five color deck or anything like that. So there are a reasonable amount of ways to fix. The first is uh, treasure tokens. Those are primarily going to be in Prismari. A lot of those big expensive spells can discard themselves to make treasure tokens. And then there's some other things that on Magecraft make some treasure tokens. But I don't think primarily you're going to be using treasure tokens as a fixer, I guess, is ultimately what I would say. Right. Green doesn't have a ton of fixing. It's got this one spell emergent sequence that we talked about Last week, this is a one and a green. You search up a basic land, put it onto the battlefield tapped. Then that land becomes a zero, zero green and blue fractal creature token. That's still a land. And you put a plus and plus one counter on it for each land you had enter the battlefield under your control this turn. This is like a, it's like a mana dork, which is something that I is obvious, but I didn't think of until seeing it. It's basically like a two mana mana dork that taps for whatever the basic land is that you search up. Yeah, that's actually pretty powerful when you frame it that way. Yeah. I was all worried about my land dying, but I guess if you just think about it as a 2-2 that taps for whatever color of mana you want when it ETBs, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, it's good. And then there's a couple kind of fixing cards, not really. So Field Trip is two and a green. It's going to let you search up only another forest. So it's more of a ramp card than a fixer um, and then also lets you learn. And then there's Quandrix Cultivator. Again, this is sort of fixing one green, blue, and then a Quandrix Hybrid. And it's a 3-4 Turtle Druid. When ETBs, you can get a forest or an island, but presumably you already have forests and islands when you're casting yeah. it. So again, like it doesn't really fix you. But one I am really excited about, and I think we're probably going to argue about this one later, is Campus Guide. So this is two mana for a 2-1, and it's an artifact. When it ETBs, you search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, shuffle, and put that card on top. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not a fan of this card. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get into that one later. Okay, and then Environmental Sciences we talked about, that's the lesson, two mana, search for a basic land, put it into your hand, then shuffle, and you gain two. And there's also a letter of acceptance. This is three mana for an artifact, tap to add a mana of any color, and then you can two tap, sacrifice it, and draw a card. And then lastly, we've got the cycle of campuses, which are the tapped dual lands at common that also have four tap, scry one. So I think if you're going to be dipping into a third color, it's going to be along those wedges. So like, you know, blue red is probably not splashing black in this format, but blue red could splash green or splash white cards, you know, that sort of thing. Right. So thinking, you know, if you played back in the day, the cons of Tarkir wedges is how to frame it. So the the enemy color pairs that overlap with one color, how do you feel about the set being a potential wedge format? Do you think you're going to be, you know, one of the colleges splashing cards from another college fairly frequently? I don't know. Uh, It feels like it'll depend. Like, you know, I don't think Silverquill will be splashing that much, but maybe Witherbloom will be splashing some white cards from Silverquill or some white black cards or whatever. I think blue green is probably going to have to splash red a fair amount of the time just to get some removal in there. So I I don't know. I think it'll be college specific, but I do think there will be there, there seem to be the tools for colorless fixing pretty reliably. Yeah, that's what I think as well. I specifically think what you said about blue green splashing red is going to happen a fair amount. I've also in some of the practice drafts, you know, Lorehold wants to go kind of slow and then you can maybe splash a Prismari card at right. the top. I think that I think the campuses are going to be fairly high picks and you're going to need to invest in the campuses if you want to splash. Agreed. All right. Next up is incidental life gain. We always take a look at this to, you know, sort of maybe get a hint as to the speed of the format. So I think the more incidental life gain there is running around, 
typically it's going to slow things down and you know give you a buffer to maybe get that extra turn that you need to stabilize against an aggro deck. So there's a lot of incidental life gain running around, but it's almost exclusively in black and green, which is the Witherbloom College. And a lot of it is the pest tokens and things of that nature. But white, blue, and red do not get a ton of incidental life gain. So it's, it feels almost college specific in a way. Interesting. Yeah. And I don't think, I mean, white, black may have some yeah, like you said, incidental life gain. If they get in a racing situation, it can do that. But otherwise, I don't think there's a lot in white black that like cares about life gain the way that black green does. Right. So silver cool gets a couple things that have lifelink in combat that way, you know, similar to story seeker or something from call time and Lorehold gets a couple of things there's Lorehold excavation which is a pretty sweet uncommon build around enchantment that i'm really excited about um, it's red white for an enchantment at the beginning of your end step you mill a card if a land was milled this way you gain a life otherwise it deals a damage to your opponent and then you can pay five exile a creature from your graveyard to make a tapped three two red and white spirit creature token so you know you're going to get an incidental life buffer there there's also thrilling discovery that i i like a fair amount this is red white for a sorcery you gain two and then you discard two, draw three that feels pretty sweet to be able to dig deeper into your deck for some of your powerful lore hold cards yeah so what, what's your take? Do you think this is enough incidental life gain to make the format feel slow? I think Witherbloom's really going to be able to grind. That That's my take, I think. Yeah. There's just a lot going on with pest tokens and tacked on to a lot of cards that are going to be played in Witherbloom. And I think outside of that, you know, Silverquill may be going to get some in racing situations. But other than that, it's going to be fairly non-existent. But I do think Witherbloom definitely has the tools to grind and i think it's going to be a tough matchup for an aggro deck when you're faced against witherbloom yeah something that happens often in these guild sets is it, it sort of feels a little rock paper scissory if there's only one flavor of that guild that like you know it feels like maybe silver quill then can't it pressures some decks but can't match up well against witherbloom that sort of thing the next thing we want to look at is sweepers and there's there's a handful here, Ben. Um, a couple of them are Mystical Archives. And just to, to touch on that real quick, we're probably not going to talk about that very much today. We will touch on that in the future once we start to talk about rares and mythics. Um, but most of these at rare and mythic are, I think, kind of, to, to my mind, obvious in terms of like it's either a constructed plant or it's clearly a limited bomb. Uh, a couple of those here being these sweepers. We've got Day of Judgment and Crux of Fate, Day of Judgment just being Wrath of God, two white, white, destroy all creatures. And Crux of Fate being three black, black, sorcery, choose one, destroy all dragon creatures or destroy all non-dragon creatures. Yeah, I think all of these Wrath cards are going to be absurdly obnoxious because there's so many ways to recur spells from the graveyard that mm -hmm. it just feels like they're absurdly busted cards, especially in Lorehold. There's a lot of ways to dig them out and Prismari as well. I just think these are going to be pretty oppressive. Yeah. Next up is Draconic Intervention. This is two red red for a sorcery as an additional cost to cast it. Exile an instant or sorcery card from your graveyard, and it deals X damage to each non-dragon creature where X is the exiled card's mana value. The creature dealt damage this way would die this turn. Exile it instead, and then you exile Draconic Intervention so that you can't do what I was talking about with this one, <laughs> uh, where you keep rebuying the wrath. But this has a flexible wrath in Prismari seems pretty great. You know, you're going to be able to dump one of those expensive spells, potentially make a treasure token and then do this for seven or eight. Wow, that yeah, that's going to be tough. Uh, next up, we've got Deadly Vanity, which is the flip side of Selfless Glyph Weaver. This is five triple black for a sorcery. Choose a creature or planeswalker, then destroy all other creatures and planeswalkers. That's really powerful. Yeah, that card is bonkers. If you cast it, probably game winning. What's the card from Cons of Tarkir that was like that? Dune Blast? Dune Blast. Yeah. 
So next up, we've got Culling Ritual. This is two black green for a sorcery. This is another rare. Destroy each non-land permanent with mana value two or less, and then you add a green or a black for each permanent destroyed this way. So presumably going to get rid of all your pests for some serious mana and life drainage, um, and then maybe take out some smaller stuff on your opponent's side of the battlefield. And last one here is Devastating Mastery. This is two quad white. It's essentially just destroy all non-land permanents, and then there's like some weird cost reduction stuff that you can do, but you don't want to because it's not a good effect. Amen. But that that is a, I mean, it's a hefty white investment, but six mana destroy all non-land permanents. So that's what? That's two sweepers in white, two in black, one in red, and then one black green. So when your opponent has uh, has planes and swamps on the other side, be, be wary of overcommitting. Though it's weird because like, White black wants to be aggressive, I think. So you, mean, you don't really want to run sweepers in your aggro decks, but maybe you can can finagle the draft differently when you start off with one of these powerful wrath effects. Well, and I think selfless glyph weaver is just a great card that you're going to play in white black. And then if you ever get to the spot, you know, limit right. is limited. Maybe you're going to randomly be able to cast deadly vanity or whatever. Mm-hmm, for sure. Another thing that we like to take a look at is mana sinks, just as you know. A way to dump mana in longer games, sometimes these are choked and they're really high value and it's good to know you know, just how many there are available and in what colors. There are some really powerful mana sinks at Uncommon um, and all of the mana sinks are spread pretty evenly across all the colors. It does feel a little off to me that Quandrix doesn't get better mana sinks than some of the others, especially since its thing is trying to get to eight mana. I mean, I guess the Fractal Summoning is kind of a mana sink in a way they're lesson cards so i think that's going to be pretty important um and both bookworm and zamone feel pretty important to quandrix as well so zamone yeah. is green blue for a one two legendary human wizard you can pay one tap put a land from your hand on the battlefield tapped and then four tap to draw a card and if you control eight or more lands you draw two cards instead and bookworm lords of limited preview card Seven and a green for a seven, seven worm with trample. When it ETBs, you gain three and draw a card. And then if it dies, you can pay two and a green to put it from your graveyard into your library, third from the top. Yeah. So we've got a list here in our show notes of a bunch of, you know, single cards that are places to put mana. I do think the campuses are, are a big mana sink in the format. Those are the the, the lands that let you scry. Yeah, that's for sure. So, you know, you talked about like the, the fractal summoning being... A, it's not quite a mana sink, like it's a place to put mana in one instance, but it's not, we really want those repeatable ways to use mana like Simone. Right. I wonder though, if learn and lessons are going to feel that way as well, because you know, you're going to be investing a little bit of extra mana in your learn card and a little bit more mana in your lesson. And it's going to get you card advantage sort of in the same way that, you know, a repeatable mana sink would. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. I I think learn and lessons are going to be really interesting to see how they shake out in the first few weeks. Last up here, we look at flying and flying hate in the format. There are 11 creatures at common with flying two that can gain flying. And those are primarily concentrated in the Esper colors, so in white, blue, and black. And then there's one blue-red card and one blue-green card. There's six creatures that uncommon flying and one that can gain flying and one equipment that grants flying. That looks pretty pog. Yeah, and then there are three creatures at common and one at uncommon with reach, plus two combat tricks that gain reach, and then Tangle Trap as that... uh, that plummet effect deal five to a flyer. So it seems like a good bit of flying and also a good bit of flying hate. Yeah. 
as usual, I'm sure flying is going to be good in draft. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's going to take us to looking at the card differences here. So we'll, we'll talk about the grading scale first that we use, and then we'll dive into these cards that Ben and I disagreed on when we graded them. Up first, we've got the A's. These are your bombs, your game winners, cards that are good in many situations, especially when you're behind. Some of the best cards in the set, including bomb rares and hyper-efficient removal spells. Some examples would be Starnheim Unleashed, Coma Cosmos Serpent, and Quakebringer. Your Bs are strong cards that pull you into a color, make you want to play that color, or reasons to be in a particular color or combination of colors, uh, like Avalanche Caller, Clarion Spirit, or Dwarven Hammer. Your Cs are your solid playables, the meat and potatoes of any limited deck. They're generally interchangeable average creatures, normal removal spells, cards like Struggle for Skemfar, Elderfang Disciple, and Beskir Shieldmate. Your Ds are sometimes playable, below average, 22nd, 23rd type cards, Doomscar Oracle, Dread Rider, Funeral Longboat, that type of deal. And lastly, you've got your Fs, your unplayables, cards you should never put in your deck, or really weird rares, stuff like Tybalt's Trickery or In Search of Greatness. And then sometimes we might put some uh, augmented grades here. Uh, sideboard cards up first, cards that don't make the main deck, but when you board them in can be quite good, like Invoke the Divine or Crush the Weak. Your build-arounds are cards that don't do much on their own, but when you build around them can be anywhere from good to great. So think things like Ruined Crown, Trickster God's Heist, Reflections of Lityara. And lastly, we've got Synergy cards, cards that are not good enough to build around but provide good synergy if they're in the right deck. There, there weren't actually a ton from Kaldheim that, that fit the bill here for me, but something like Guardian Gladewalker or Seize the Spoils, things that like, you know, are really strong role players, I guess, in the right type of deck. Gold vein pick almost in a certain way. Right. Yeah, that makes that 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 could make the cut as well. All right. So onwards to the arguments. Okay. So uh, in our spreadsheet here, we've got stuff sorted by college cards first, then by color. So first up is Quandrix, where we have actually been no disagreements here. We're all all synced up in Quandrix. Quandrix is perfect, right? That's right. I mean, that's their thing. Exactly. Uh, so that brings us to Witherbloom, where the first card we're going to take a look at here is Deadly Brew. This is black green for a sorcery. Each player sacrifices a creature or planeswalker. If you sacrificed a permanent this way, you may return another permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. I gave this a D plus. You gave this a synergy C plus. So why don't you try and talk me up on this? Yeah, and maybe we're saying the same thing with different grades. But I mean, assuming you're trying to set this up, you know, I think the ideal scenario is your opponent has a valuable creature on the battlefield by itself or maybe multiple creatures of similar value and you have a pest token and you're trying to sacrifice a pest token make them sacrifice their creature and then you also are going to get back a permanent so i think it's gonna feel kind of two for one ish i'm already usually dubious of edict effects in limited and in a set where tokens are a theme or like, you know, it, maybe you don't have tokens in Silver Quill, but you're like happy to sack your star pupil and then dump the counters on something else. I feel like there's enough things that make this not feel great to me that I, I, I'm going to I'm going to start by hoping to not run this. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm there. Maybe maybe C or C minus is more appropriate grade, but I think this is going to be you're going to be fine to happy to have this in your deck. I don't think it's going to be a high pick or anything. Okay. Next up is Tend the Pests. This is black green for an instant. As an additional cost to cast the spell, sacrifice a creature. Create X 1-1 black and green pest creature tokens with when this creature dies, you gain one life, where X is the sacrificed creature's power. You gave this a C minus. I gave this a synergy B minus. So I'll try to talk you up here again. This looks really powerful to me. So Witherbloom has this thing where it gets 
very undercosted, gigantic creatures, you know, whether it's a two mana five four that you have to sacrifice a creature when it ETBs, or you know, it was a four mana seven six or some absurdly large ten ten or something at rare. I see this as wanting to go in those style of decks, and then maybe when you can't pay that tax anymore, you sacrifice that creature and you're gonna get, you know, seven one one pests that's going to clog up the board and give you fuel for more of those other type of cards i don't know i just think this has a ton of synergy and a ton of potential in witherbloom there's some setup there but when you do the setup and do the thing i think it's really powerful yeah so this came up in a coaching session i was doing yesterday i was like looking at a bunch of like snow based value greed pile whatever and in those decks i feel like and i kind of feel like witherbloom might fall into that in terms of being a late game grindy control deck i really want my cards to like do the thing they do all the time because i I always expect to be behind in those decks and so i want to be able to rely on my cards to do the thing all the time and so i worry when i look at a card like 10 the pests about that setup cost and i worry about all of those things does that add up to this being a card like you're you're sacrificing a creature sure the dream is you do this in response to a removal spell right but Otherwise, you're down a card here, right? You're turning your big creature into a bunch of little creatures, and maybe you are going to want to do that in Witherbloom, where you've got all of the sacrifice your life gain payoffs. But I, I again, I, I worry about this then adding up to being worth a card. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the answer to all of those things is I'm, I'm in for that yeah. on this card, and it sounds like maybe you're not. I am not, but I'm, I'm willing to be proven wrong as we, we see it in play. All right, moving on to Silver Quill again. No differences here. So that takes us on to Lorehold, where we have one difference, and it's Spirit Summoning. This is the lesson from Lorehold. It's one hybrid hybrid of Lorehold mana and creates a 3-2 red and white spirit creature token. Yeah, I gave this a B minus. You gave this a C, which is interesting because I think it made both of our top five comments for the college. Yeah, I, I was sort of grading the card in a vacuum, I think, and it just is like, kind of a C, but after after right, the, thinking the, about it more and it being in your sideboard and being a free card, I think you're going to want to pick it higher than that. I think you're closer than I am. I, I probably should have given it at least a C plus. Yeah, I think at least a C plus. I don't know. I came in, like I said, I came in hot on the lessons, but then I felt like I was grading the the premium learn cards higher than the lessons. But this one, like this, a lot of them are overcosted. A three mana three two is not overcosted. And also this has synergy in terms of uh, being a spirit and then also it, it can be a toolboxy thing um, and it's flexible like this can go in prismari this can go in silver quill right one of the things i've found is that there's a little bit of tension in lore hold because a lot of the learn cards in red and white are combat tricky type cards yeah but i think Lorehold really ultimately wants to be a little more controlling there's kind of two versions one that wants to get stuff in the graveyard through combat and this will probably be good there with the learn combat tricks. But I think there's also another version that doesn't really want that many of those combat tricky type learn cards. So we'll see. I'm, I'll come up to C plus for sure. All right. And then looking at Prismari again, no differences here. I think the it's easier to grade the college cards and especially the colleges that I think you and I have a, a clear or we agree on what the clear picture is, like Silver Quill being aggro or Quandrix being ramp, that type of deal. It felt easier to grade those cards. Yeah. All right, moving on to blue. First common up here is Curate. This is one in a blue for an instant. Look at the top two cards of your library. Put any number of them into your graveyard and the rest back on top of your library in any order. Draw a card. Yeah, I gave this a D, you gave this a C minus. So you're, you're, you're positive poly in this spreadsheet. You're going to be having to talk me up on all these cards. 
I mean, I think that's just how we grade a little bit. <laughs> I feel like, you know, we've talked about this before on the show, but you're a very pessimistic grader. And then you play with the cards that you grade poorly quicker. And I grade the cards higher and I'm more reluctant to branch out yeah. earlier in a format for some reason. I don't know how that works, but <laughs> I do think that is a phenomenon that happens here on Lords of Limited. Yeah. So yeah, I think this is going to be nice to trigger instant speed magecraft and replace itself. There's not a lot of good twos. So this gives you something to do on turn two. I think this is going to be fine. Fillerish type card in a Prismari deck. Right. Yeah, I think that this feels like a part of the grading scale that I think you and Alex and I probably need to like hash out a little bit. But so you're saying it's like my mind filler is D, D grade territory. These are like 22nd, 23rd card. If it makes the deck fine, it's the definition of replaceable. All right, you're right. It's a D plus. Okay. D plus. Next up in the uncommons, we've got Symmetry Sage. This is a single blue for an O2 flying human wizard with Magecraft. Target creature you control has base power two until end of turn. So the the idea here is that with Magecraft, this is a one mana 2-2 flyer. Yeah, I gave this a C plus. You gave this a D. I really like this card in an aggro version of Prismari. And I think there are going to be some really aggressive versions of Prismari running around out there. Okay. I, I, it remains to be seen. I am worried about triggering this... I don't know, more than twice. And then it being like this card just like plays defense atrociously. But I guess, you know, you build your aggro decks with optimism. So I don't need to think about that. But I just I'm, I'm worried about this as do nothing, do nothing. And then maybe deal two, and then deal two. That feels bad to me. So what if I told you that it was like a one mana riddle form type card? Does that make you more or less interested? That's a good way to frame it, right? Because that's basically what it is. Right. In a in a set that's designed for spells. I mean, I just think this card's going to be busto in an aggro Prismari deck. All right. You talk me up. I'll go. I'll go see. I'll go see. Boom. I just, I, I'm, I, it's hard for me to imagine taking it highly, though. No, I agree. You're not going to. I mean, I think you're going to hope to get it on the wheel, assuming you've selected the appropriate lane and we should probably talk about that briefly you should be willing in a gold set if you feel like a college is open to jump ship like much more than you did in call time or some of the recent sets like this is gonna be about finding the open lane right so not only do you want to be identifying like oh i thought i was gonna be wither bloom but it looks like prismari is open pick six pick seven so i'm gonna scrap my first five or six picks but also you should be willing to take gold cards very highly. You should be willing to do that period. But in a guild set, you're like usually the, the argument is this green card leaves me open to four decks. Well, in a guild set, a green card only leaves you open to two decks. So taking a black green card, leaving you open to one deck, that difference isn't that big. Right. Or you know, you could potentially splash that if you're playing one of the wedges and you pick the campuses, etc. All right. Next up is Mercurial Transformation. This is one and a blue for an uncommon sorcery lesson. Until end of turn, target non-land permanent loses all abilities and becomes your choice of a blue frog with 1-1 one, one base power and toughness or a blue octopus with 4-4 four, four base power and toughness. You know this is a sorcery, right? I do. Okay. I think, but it's a lesson which feels valuable and it feels like, you know, a free card in a sense and maybe you're gonna you know post combat after blocks turn your opponent's thing into a one one to kill it I, I just think this has enough utility as a lesson that it deserves at least being picked above d's all right you're right you're right boom got yeah. him yeah all right i'll go c c minus there I, I had it at d minus ben had it at a c but i'll, I'll go up to c minus you're right about i mean it's not free so i, I want to caution people against playing like quote unquote bad lessons or bad learn cards because they're all generally overcosted or situational. 
but you're right. Like just the, the fact that even if 5% of the time or 10% of the time you want this effect to do exactly what you said, which is finish off a creature post-combat, like cast your pop quiz, draw a card, draw this, cast this. I think that's probably worth it, just having the option. This is a very civilized discussion so far. <laughs> sometimes if you're new to Lords of Limited, sometimes this gets heated. Okay, well, we haven't gotten to the good stuff yet, maybe. All right, moving on to green, we've got Charge Through. It's a single green for an instant target creature gains trample until end of turn. Draw a card. I gave this a D, you gave this a C. Yeah, is it is it all you grading cards higher? I think it is. <laughs> it might be. No, there's some you like a little more than me. But yeah, this looks great to me especially in quandrix you know pushing through some 8-8 fractal token with trample this card i think is going to end games and it's going to trigger magecraft for one mana and replace itself i think this card does a lot i have a very limited view of what i think quandrix can do and i worry about like how much room is there for a card like this in the deck now a single mana cantripper you can almost replace a land with that kind of card so so Maybe the first copy, there's not really a cost to include. But I just, I just wonder about that. I, I totally see the things like the big dumb creatures in Quandrix wanting this, I think is very real. I just wonder about the slots in your deck that you can allocate to a card like this. Yeah, it'll be interesting to figure out with Magecraft. I'm, I'm saying you're going to do it. Okay. Next up is Big Play. This is one on a green for an instant. Target creature gets plus two, plus two and gains a reach until end of turn. Put a plus one, plus one counter on. Yeah, I gave this a D plus. You gave this a C. I'm interested why you're. I mean, this is this is it's a big play. Two two mana plus three plus three and reach and it keeps a counter. That's that's not nothing. Yeah, it's probably a little high. It's probably a D plus or a C minus. It's a fine combat trick. Yeah, I just my I feel like it's a fine combat trick. I don't see Witherbloom or Clondrix really wanting combat tricks. That's fair. That's my problem. I just don't, I don't know. Like, it, it, It's interesting. Like if there was a green white beat down deck or a green red beat down deck, sure. But I don't know if that's what those decks are doing. I think I just mentally bumped combat tricks up because I was thinking like Magecraft blowouts in uh-huh. combat. But yeah, you're probably right. Probably closer to a D plus. Next up is Mage Duel. I'm probably too low on this. Two and a green sorcery. Costs two less to cast if you've cast another instant or sorcery spell this turn, uh, but that's probably not going to happen very often. But target creature you control gets plus one, plus two until end of turn, and then it fights target creature you don't control. Wait, whoa, back up. You don't think that cost reduction is going to happen that often? No, or slash be relevant that often. I mean, this is going to, this is double spell central, baby, right? You, you play some other instant or sorcery, and then this is prey upon that gives your thing plus one, plus two. That's very powerful, right? Yeah, that, that is pretty And give you powerful. two magecraft triggers. I think this card is awesome. I, I think I am thinking of Magecraft much more incidentally than you are, and I don't know who's right, and maybe it's somewhere in the middle. But it, like your argument for Magecraft doesn't do it for me every time. That's fair, but I mean, I think you are going to be triggering that clause more often than not. Yeah, that's fair, and you know that's like a cheaper, you know, it's a it's a struggle for Skemfar off of Foretold, or it's cheaper than struggle for Skemfar face up doesn't leave the counters behind but plus one plus two you're gonna win those combats a lot i'll go up to c plus next up is devouring tendrils moving on to the uncommons this is one on a green for a sorcery target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker you don't control when the permanent you don't control dies this turn you gain two life we did it fam we got a, a card that i graded higher than ben yeah you give us a b minus i gave us a c yeah, I just think a, a punch spell. I know it doesn't add power and toughness, but I'll take a punch spell over a fight spell all day. I, I'm surprised that you would take Mage Duel over this. Yeah, I think I might have missed that this was a 
punch card on first read through. Oh, okay, okay. I'll, jo- I'll join you at B minus. Okay, great, easy. Wow, so civilized. This is this is unfortunate. <laughs> Moving on to black, uh, we've got just one card. Uh, it's an uncommon. This is the mind rot. Go blank. Two and a black for a sorcery. Target player discards two cards, then exile all cards from that player's graveyard. I gave this a sideboard grade. You gave this a C. Yeah, I think this is fine to main deck. I mean, it's not exciting. It's not the worst. Mm-hmm. I think exiling someone's graveyard that's a Lorehold player could be a savage beating randomly, you know, from this card you have in your main deck. I don't know. It does a lot of small things. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm not a mind rot kind of guy. If this, so <laughs> this is just mind rot. You give this, you give mind rot C's unlimited. I think so. C minus D plus C's a little aggressive, but I like the graveyard exiling stuff, randomly nabbing things. I don't know. It's playable. I don't, I'm, I'd be curious to see how many go blanks you cast in the lifetime of this format. Yeah, it's probably a low number when you ask the question like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you definitely don't want it in silver coil, right? It's no, if anywhere it's going to be in wither bloom. Yeah. So it's quite, it's one black green. I don't know. And it's, I think the graveyard thing sort of hoses lore hold, but also it causes cards to leave their graveyard, which might just give them three twos. Oh, paw. Okay. So yeah. I don't know if this card is that good. All right. Sideboard. Sure. Okay. All right. Next up, we are moving on to white and we have eager first year as our first common here. This is one in a white for a two, two with magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, it gets plus one plus O until end of turn. You gave us a D plus. I gave us a C. You're dishing out C's like no tomorrow. Yeah, this is probably more like a D plus C minus. I mean, it's fine. It's It's a two drop if you need a two drop, but it's not a spirit. And it's definitely worse than Star Pupil and something like Silver Quill. You'd rather have the spirit cards in Lorehold. Yeah, I agree. Below I'll, average. I'll, I'll play it. Fills my curve out. But again, that's that's replaceable and that's a D plus in my mind. Yep, I'll join you. All right, we got got a couple spicy ones here, Ben. Uh clever Lumamancer, single white for an O one human wizard, Magecraft. It gets plus two plus two until end of turn. You gave this a D. I gave this an F. And I don't I don't give F's out to things that have power and toughness, though this barely has power and toughness. But I think this card is a trap for limited. There's been a lot of discussion on this card from what I've seen. It seems playable to me in Silver Quill if you've got a lot of combat tricks. But I mean, you know, like if you if you're casting Magecraft, your opponent is going to probably be afraid to block this. Right. And then maybe you double spell with spells. You push four damage like that seems like if this pushes six damage as a one drop that's that's the thing right that is that just seems so unlikely to me is it i'll I'll go up to like i'll go up to d minus maybe it's not stone unplayable and i maybe there will be a time in the format where i bet i feel like it's like one in 50 you're gonna get a deck one in 75 one in 100 you're gonna get a deck that this card is good in i don't think it's gonna happen that often i think to me it just depends on how often you're gonna be triggering magecraft at instant speed in silver quill like that feels like where this is gonna be playable and then so so what is the answer to that question for you if this pushes six damage as a one drop like that's worth it in your deck right yes oh 100 if my if my one drop deals six damage i would love that i don't think it's that unreasonable to expect this card to be able to do that because your opponent's going to be scared to block it. I am having a hard time. I feel like your argument for these Magecraft cards is like, you're just triggering this every turn. But I don't see how that's possible, especially when you're trying to affect the board in any meaningful way. Like you, there's not, yes, like there are the summonings, I guess. There are some cards that are both creatures and spells, essentially. But it's hard to do that every turn. There it is. There's the, there's the tension. There's the drama. Yeah. I don't know. I like, I just 
can picture this in a deck with study break. You know, you're tapping your opponent's stuff down. You're getting another lesson or learn card. I don't think it's crazy to think that this is going to be pushing damage. I mean, I don't love it. I, gave I know it you a, gave it a, a D, D or yeah. whatever, yeah, but I think you've talked I, me up from stone unplayable. I've got my eye on it. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Next up, speaking of stone unplayable <laughs> yeah. is Lords of Limited preview card Detention Vortex. This is white for an aura. Enchant non-land permanent. Enchanted permanent can't attack or block, and its activated abilities can't be activated. Seems great, but wait. Three mana to destroy detention vortex, and only your opponents may activate this ability and only as a sorcery. So your opponents can pay three mana to destroy your one mana removal spell. So this is a tempo play at best. Yeah, this I feel quite confident in saying do not ever put this in your deck and you will win more. This is an F. This is an actual F. Probably true. I gave it a D. I could maybe see it if you were desperate for playables in a silver quill aggro deck that was very focused. But do you know that you can you can add as many basic lands to your deck as you want? Right. I am aware of that aspect of Magic the Gathering, and you are probably right. I'll join you on F. <laughs> Great. Moving on to red. First common up is first day of class. This is one in a red for an instant. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control this turn, put a plus one plus one counter on it, and it gains haste until end of turn, and then you learn. Yeah, I give this a D, you give this a C minus. I'm just I'm wary of the learn card. Like learn and lessons, like I said, they're they're overcosted in general, and this is quite situational. I mean, yes, I, I guess at worst it cycles for a, a lesson, but I don't think that's good enough. Yeah, I agree. I've not been happy with this in the practice drafts I've done. I'll join you on D. Okay. Another one of these overcosted tricks, enthusiastic study is next. Two in a red for an instant. Target creature gets plus three plus one and gains trample until end of turn, and then you learn. Yeah, you gave this a D plus. I gave us a C plus. I feel very good about my rating here. All right. This card is a house. So three mana instant, plus three plus one and trample. If you win a combat, you're probably going to push two to three damage with this card. Mm-hmm. And it replaces itself. Like, think about, I don't know, like all those red-green combat tricks that give like plus three and trample or plus four and trample. Those cards are just good. And then this also learns. I really like Enthusiastic Study. I think this is really expensive. I'll, I'll, I agree with all the things you're saying, but three mana for a combat trick is really expensive. I don't know, man. I'm going to be casting this often i think in prismari beatdown decks okay maybe maybe even lore hold aggro versions like that want to get into combat a little bit more i think this is one of the better learn cards at common i could see bumping this up to c minus but this is not this this has i don't know this this i'm very dubious of this i feel a little uh a little reluctant to to get excited about a three mana combat trick that's fair i mean you can copy this but teach by example there's the there's the one two double strike in red i don't know i just think this has a lot going on for it copy this now you have a five five mana for two combat tricks combat tricks have risked to them ben there it's not always just like will like this this isn't gonna what, what happens if your opponent has open mana are you just like wham bam let's let's do it no way no you're not but i mean similar this is performs a similar role to run amok in red decks and it draws a card i don't know i mean one toughness is not that much to, like that's part of the reason that run amok is so good is that like yeah you're getting that damage but you're also just like you're always surviving that combat when run amok resolves i don't know if that's going to be the case here with this card that's fair i don't know maybe maybe it's a c i don't know i like it i think you have rose colored glasses for this card personally We'll see. We'll see. Next up, moving on to the uncommons, we have Hall Monitor. This is red for a 1-1. Haste. This is me in the morning at 725 a.m. <laughs> 
one red tap target creature can't block this turn is that why you like this card you gave it a c i gave it a d yeah i don't know i was picturing maybe in a prismari aggro deck or something i I don't think it's great i agree i was too high on it this i mean it does something and and it has it will have an effect on the game even without activating it you know just the presence of this is going to make your opponent have to leave two blockers back Right. So maybe this you might be onto something. I could see this. I'm probably a little too low on this type of card. Um, and it's probably more like a D plus C minus in, in the right deck. But I do think like threat of activation here is going to have an impact on the game. All right. C minus maybe. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go C minus. All right. Moving on to colorless cards. I am excited to talk to you about this little oh guy. God. We've got campus guide. We mentioned him earlier. Two mana for the two one. And when it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for basic land card, reveal it, shuffle and put that card on top. I guess a D you gave us a C. Yeah, I think this card I would be bordering on giving this a C plus. Uh, I'm waiting for you to tell me I'm crazy, but you are crazy. But like you have you got to The rule is you have to talk me up on it. You got to tell me why it's good. So here's what I think is happening for you. I'm going to I'm going to dive into the mind of Ethan here a little bit. I think you are comparing this card to Skittering Surveyor. And I think it looks terrible compared to Skittering Surveyor. So you are writing it off. But I think this does a lot of things. So you're there's not a lot of good two drops in this format. Like this one. <laughs> wow, savage. <laughs> <laughs> you are going to want, I think, to hit land drops in a lot of color pairs. This is fixing as well as a guaranteed land drop if you want it from your two drop. So on the times that you don't want a land drop or you don't need to search up your splash, you have a two mana two one, which is not the best, but it's not an embarrassing Magic the Gathering card. And the fact that this is going to let you keep hands where you can search up a mana that you need, like this is better than a two mana two one rummager or something. And I think you're fine to play a two mana two one rummager. So I, I don't know. I like Campus Guide quite a bit in this format. That's interesting. Comparing it to something like Immersturm Raider, which I did like quite a bit in call time it's way better than Immersturm Raider it's not way better though like be- it is because it lets you splash as well it can count as a source even though you're not getting card advantage this guarantees that you're going to draw your island or whatever you need Immersturm Raider like draws effectively draws you a card in the mid to late game campus guide does not it's like dead in the mid to late game yeah unless you need to search up a splash or whatever yeah I, I get the wheels turning I'm, I'm going to consider that at least a victory we've seen effects like this before right we've seen cards like this before not that search up basics, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a deep cut, um, but there was Inoc Guide from, I guess it was like Fate Reforged or something, and this was this was a one in a green. One, one, enters the battlefield. You can either put a plus and plus one counter on it or search for a basic land, put it on top of your library. And that like a, had like a modality to it, I guess, but that was not really that good. You would play that card though, right? It's a C? I don't know. This just seems to have a lot of flexibility to me. All right, all right. I, I might go up to, I'll go up to D+. You got you got some some wheels turning here. I agree that you're not thrilled to draw it in the late late game. I think even in the mid game, just a body that guarantees a land drop, giving you control over the top of your deck, especially when it can fix for basics, seems powerful to me. Like in in a way that like not whatever you're not first picking it or whatever. Yeah. But I think it does enough small things well that it's going to get played a fair amount in the format. Okay, moving on to the uncommons, we've got access tunnel. Again, a rare card that I've graded higher than you. This is a land, it taps for colorless, and you can be three tap. Target creature with power three or less can't be blocked this turn. Uh, you gave this a D plus. I gave this a C plus. And this is sort of like, you know, it's conditional in terms of can your deck afford a colorless land. But in a deck that can, you know, this is worse than Rogue's Passage, which is a, a land that does a similar thing, except it's four tap, and then it just makes a creature unblockable, period. No power restriction. But I do think this 
you're going to put this in your deck a lot of the time if you can uh, have a colorless land. And I think it's going to be like, it, it's threatening. I mean, maybe I'm maybe comparing this to Rogue's Passage is not fair, um, but that's the thing that comes to mind. And I remember that card feeling just like, oh, I can't win against that card. Yeah, I don't love this card. I agree with you that it's probably going to end some games. It is a cost to put a colorless land in your deck, especially if you're going to want to play three colors. But I could see this feels like already that it wants to be an 18 land format for most things other than, you know, maybe silver quill or whatever. It feels like hitting land drops is going to be good. And if you're playing more lands, maybe you can afford a colorless land a little bit more. So I could see it. I don't know. I'll go up to C. I don't love it. I think it's going to I mean, like I said, the caveat here is can your deck afford a colorless land? And if it can, this is going to be great in your deck, I think. That is a true statement, I think. Oh, this next one, another F for me, Ben. What's going on with Spell Satchel? This is two mana for an artifact with Magecraft. Whenever you <laughs> cast your copy and incinerate sorcery spell. <laughs> I think we found the joke of the format, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Well, I'm calling it. I'm calling it Bencraft from now on. <laughs> Put a book counter on spell satchel. This is great content here, everyone. Yeah, so you get a book counter when you cast an instant or sorcery spell. You can tap, remove a book counter to add a colorless, and you can pay three tap, remove three book counters from it to draw a card. So let me get this straight. You're telling me for the low, low cost of two mana, <laughs> Stop I can do nothing. I can affect the board in no way. And then only once I cast incense or sorceries or copy them, can I turn this into a colorless mana rock. And I could just forego doing that three times to finally have this card replace itself. Yes, I am, I am telling you all of that. Sign me. Where do I sign? Where do I sign up for this card? I think <laughs> you're such a bully. <laughs> But I look, this card is really bad, Ben. Like, it's not it's not great. I was viewing it in the context of what you said, like a mana rock for your instants and sorceries. And maybe there's a deck where, you know, you have enough instants and sorceries, like lessons and learns that you're interested in a two mana mana rock for instants and sorceries. It's pretty niche. It certainly doesn't deserve a C, but I could see it maybe slotting into a deck somewhere in the format. It's not good. I'm embarrassed that I gave it a C. I'm going to go down to D minus. Just to not join me at F. All right. (laughs) All right. That's going to bring me to, this is my favorite part, Ben, where we rank our top commons and uncommons. We usually do it in each color. And we, we talked about what might be best here. And I think we decided to up the number, but then look at the colleges rather than colors. I think that's going to be more helpful. Yeah, that feels way more practical to me. So uh, which which college do you want to start with? Let's kick it off with Silver Quill. Okay, so we'll go bottom up here. Bottom up. I got a bit of a hot take here. This this is this can't be right. I'm gonna actually I'm gonna just change this because I I, mean, I was thinking about this. <laughs> what was it? My my number five was expanded anatomy. So I wanted to I wanted to put a colorless lesson in one of the guilds as like a this is where this goes. So I put expanded anatomy. That's the three mana. Put two plus one plus one counters on target creature. It gains vigilance until end of turn. But I just want to replace it with guiding voice, which is the single white sorcery. Put a plus one plus one counter on a creature and then learn. This is that sort of tension I felt of like what lesson versus learn cards make it. And I do think Guiding Voice is going to be pretty darn good. Guiding Voice on your Lumamancer? Huh? Ooh, huh? ooh that's nice. Now, now I built my own one, two. I, I like Study Break a little more than Guiding Voice personally, mm-hmm. but I think it'll be interesting to keep an eye on both those cards. Yeah. All right. My number five is Lash of Malice. This is black for an instant. Target creature gets plus two, minus two until end of turn. Yeah, this is, I think, our biggest 
difference. I am coming in hot on Lash of Malice. That is my number one silver comment. Yeah. I feel like I'm just a little worried that stuff is going to get out of range. Yeah. And that you're going to maybe potentially be overloaded on Lashes of Malice. But I do like the fact that it triggers Bencraft at instant speed. <laughs> for one Bencraft, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, next up, we've got my number four. This, I think, is a, an interesting take. I want to want to pick your brain here. I have Arrogant Poet at my number four slot. This is one in a black for a 2-1. Whenever it attacks, you may pay two life. If you do, it gains flying until end of turn. I don't love it. So, so my sell here is, there's, as you keep saying, there's not a lot of good two drops. And this is one of the better aggressive two drops. Um, so like in, in theory, if they don't have any flying blockers, this just trades two damage for two damage. But it wears the counters really well. And there are some like incidental life gain as well in Silver Quill that I think this is, maybe you don't even have to pick it this highly, but I think this might be your best two drop in this deck. I would buy it. You're not sounding crazy to me. I would buy it. Ooh, no, not crazy. Love it. It's not in my top commons, but I could see it for sure. All right. And my number four is Inkling Summoning. This is the one Silver Quill Silver Quill for a sorcery lesson that makes a 2-1 flying Inkling. Yeah, that ended up not making my top five here. But I, like I said, I could see it. Well, I just think white, black, those two cards that we've mentioned, uh, the plus one, plus one counter learn and the tap two creatures learn. Yeah. I think those are going to be bread and butter silver cool cards. And I think you're going to want to be able to go get a two one flyer. Yeah, I think I think you're definitely right about that. Uh, I got Mage Hunter's Onslaught at number three. This is two black, black sorcery, destroy target creature or planeswalker. Whenever a creature blocks this turn, its controller loses one life, which I think makes this honestly more of a silver cool card than a Witherbloom card. Yes, I agree. That's my number three as well. Uh, number two, I've got Star Pupil. Um, this is a single white zero zero. Comes into play with a plus one one counter. When it dies, you put its counters on target creature you control. This may be our, our hot take here, Ben. Yep, that's my number two as well. What's your number one? My number one didn't make your list. It's got Ben Craft. Silver Quill <laughs> right. Pledge Mage. Right. One Silver Quill, Silver Quill for three one. And whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spill, it gains your choice of flying or lifelink until end of turn. I love this card. So I think, you know, you're going to play those combat tricky type cards in Silver Quill. Turning this into a three mana, three one flyer is going to hit hard. And then if your opponent's forced to race, like they're going to have to leave a blocker back or you can potentially give it lifelink. I just think it's very versatile. This is just, this is, you're probably more right than I am just because like, this is my deal. I, I always go like, huh, a headliner mechanic for a format, probably not going to be relevant. And then it always is. So <laughs> I'm probably wrong about this, but yeah, I'm not high on the pledge mages. All right, moving on to Silver Quill top uncommons. My number three is closing statement. This is three white black for an instant cost two less to cast during your end step. Destroy target creature or planeswalker you don't control. Put a plus one, plus one counter on up to one target creature you control. Yeah, that's my number two. My number three is Tenured Ink Caster. Four and a black for a two-two. When it ETBs, you put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. And whenever a creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it attacks, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Yeah, that didn't make my cut. Uh, my number two is Shadewing Laureate. It's white, black, and then a silver coil hybrid for a 2-2 flyer. Whenever another creature you control with flying dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. Yeah, that didn't make the cut for me, but I'm I'm curious to see if it'll have some relevance. It definitely pairs nicely with your uh, your number one common, for sure. Yeah. And then I assume we both have the same number one, Killian Ink Duelist, white, black, 2-2, lifelink menace, spells you cast, the target a creature cost two less to cast. Yeah, all those legendary creatures for each college are bust-o. Yeah, those are all the number ones for me across the board. 
Me as well. Spoilers. <laughs> Moving on to the Prismari top commons. In the number five slot, I've got Elemental Summoning. That's the three Prismari Prismari for the lesson that gives you a 4-4 Elemental. Yeah, I like that card quite a bit. I, I put that on my number three. My number five is Prismari Pledge Mage. That's the hybrid hybrid for a 3-3 defender with Magecraft. It can attack as though it didn't have defender. Yeah, I like Pledge Mage a lot. That's actually my number two. Ooh. And I think it, there's just not a lot of good two drops. And I think it's going to play offense well in the aggro versions. And I think it's going to play defense well in the decks that want to slower and you know cast those seven, eight mana spells. Well, the thing about it is like even if it's just blocking and then finally on turn five or whatever, a three, three, I still think is going to attack pretty well in this format. Yeah, I like it. My number four is Spectacle Mage. That's the one blue red for a 2 2 flyer that makes spells you cast with five CMC or greater cost one less to cast. Yeah, that's my number four as well. Moving on to number three for me, I've got Frost Trickster here. That's the two and a blue 2 2 flying Frost Links that uh, when it ETBs, taps a creature down and it doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. Yeah, another, I think another big disagreement here for us is I have that at number one and I think it's the best common in the set, or at least that's how I'm entering into the set whoa pog yeah so my two was prismari pledge mage moving on to my number one heated debate two in a red for an instant can't be countered deal four damage to a creature or planeswalker yeah that's my number two so i assume you think then that heated debate might be the best common yeah i have heated debate as the best common i think i think that's my number two and i think that's very defensible moving on to the prismari top uncommons in my number three slot i've got igneous inspiration that's two in a red for the sorcery it deals three damage to any target and then you learn yeah, that's my number two. I have Maybe this is a little bit of a take. I've got Divide by Zero in my number three. This is the two and a blue return target spell or permanent with mana value one or greater to its owner's hand and then learn. Yeah, I like that card quite a bit. My number two is Maelstrom Muse. It's the one blue red and then a Prismari hybrid for a two four flyer. When it attacks, the next instant or sorcery spell you cast this turn costs X less to cast where X is Maelstrom Muse's power as this ability resolves. Yeah, I didn't have that card in my top three but i like it quite a bit and then we both as we said have rutha mercurial artist at number one one blue red for a one four pay two return it to its owner's hand to copy target instant or sorcery spell you control ben craft baby boom moving on to the wither bloom top commons my number five slot is blood researcher this is one black green for a two two with menace whenever you gain life put a plus one plus one counter on it that's my number five as well and the number four slot i have bayou roth one in a green for a 5-4 as an additional cost to cast this spell, sack a creature, or pay three. Ooh, we're all synced up. That's my number four as well. Ooh. Moving on to number three for me, I've got Professor of Zoomancy. This is three in a green for a 4-3 when ETBs create a pest token. I am... I love this card, and I'm sad to say it didn't make my top five. Whoa, that might be blasphemy. I, it that might, might be like it, me and uh, whatchamacallit, Cyril's Packmate. Oh, yeah, that might be. To- totally. The card seems really, really strong to me. I just think this speaks to how busted I think Witherbloom is that like it has five commons that might be better than that. But this is this is also largely with I might be missing on Lash of Malice, the the single black plus two minus two. Oh, yeah. Is that your where is that? That's you? my number one. So if okay, I, what's your number three? So my number three is Pest Summoning. This is one uh, and two Witherbloom hybrid for a lesson to make two one one pest creature tokens. That's actually my number one. Yeah, I think this is one of those spots where I think, do you have Hunt for Specimens as number two, I assume? I do, yeah. That's Hunt for Specimens is the one in a black sorcery, and it lets you make a pest token and then learn. This was one of the spots where I found it tough to rank. I just feel like Hunt for Specimens is so premium that I put it ahead of Pest Summoning, even though I want that one-two curve. But this just seems like such a premium 
two drop in the format. I agree. They're both great. But uh, Hunt for Specimens is a lot less good if you don't have the pest summonings to go get in my mind. That's very true. That's very true. So yeah, both of those cards feel key to like identifying that Wither Bloom is open to me. Mm-hmm. Even three, Professor of Zumancia. And I could see a world where Professor is just so busted that it's number one. And then Pest and Hunt are two and three. It's Elderleaf Mentor with a full plus one plus one stat and the thing dies and you gain a life. Like it's it's really good. Yep. Moving on to the uncommons in Witherbloom. My number three is Witherbloom Apprentice. This is green black for a 2-2 with Bencraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Shockingly, that did not make my top three. I have Mortality Spear at number three. Two black green for an instant. Destroy target non-land permanent and it costs two less to cast if you gained life this turn. Yeah, that's my number two. I've got... Uh, Maybe a little take here, Ben. I have Overgrown Arch at number two. I am so pumped for this car. This is one on a green for an 0-4. It has Defender, it has Tap, you gain a life, and it has two Sack to learn. That's a very Ethan Sacks card. It's a very Ethan Sacks card for sure. Dina Soulsteeper, we've both got at number one. This is black green for a 1-3. Whenever you gain life, each opponent loses one life. You can pay one, sack another creature to give Dina plus X plus O until end of turn where X is a sacrifice creature's power. This is going to feel a little bit, I think, like, uh, what's the ooze guy from Dominaria? Oh, Slimefoot. I think it's going to feel a little Slimefooty in a sense that you're just trying to vomit out pest tokens and then, you know, drain your opponent with your Witherbloom Apprentice, choke their life with Dina. That's how I picture Witherbloom playing out in my head with the sort of like giant monster sacrificing pest tokens to them as a secondary theme to the, the drain and gain. I mean, if that's how the deck plays out, sign me up every time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to Lorehold Top Commons. I've got a bit of a hot take here in the number five slot. Got Thrilling Discovery, red, white for a sorcery, gain two life, and then you may discard two cards. If you do, draw three. I'm here for that hot take. It didn't make my top five, but I'd be excited if it was in the top five. Uh, my number five is Blood Age General, one on a red for a 2-2 Spirit Warrior, and you can tap it to have attacking spirits get plus one, plus O oh until end of turn. Yeah, I like that. It didn't make my top five, but I could certainly see it. My number four is Stonerise Spirit. One and a white for a 1-2 flyer. Four, exile a card from your graveyard. Target creature gains flying until end of turn. So way to push some damage and get cards to leave your graveyard. Yeah, I did not put that in my top five, but I like that card quite a bit. Lorehold feels deep to me. Uh, My number four is Pilgrim of the Ages. This is two and a white for a 2-1. When you ETBs, you can search up a planes and put it into your hand. And you can pay six to return Pilgrim of the Ages from your graveyard to your hand. Yeah, that's my number three. And I was honestly considering putting it higher it just depends on how valuable the planes ends up being but a body and a land is a pretty good deal and a way to trigger leaving stuff leaving your graveyard i don't know this, it feels like the complete package for Lorehold. so if pilgrims your number three my number three is illustrious historian this feels like one of the better two drops in my mind one on a red for a two one and then you can pay five to exile it from your graveyard to make a three two uh tapped spirit token yeah that's actually my number two i just have all these cards a notch above you (laughs) uh so then my number two is spirit summoning which i think then didn't make your cut right so this is the lesson that makes a three two spirit token yeah that should probably be number four and thrilling discovery should probably not be on my list that's pretty egregious that i don't have that on my list (laughs) and then we both have the the deal for heated debate as our number one yep all right moving on to lorehold top uncommons number three slot igneous inspiration again for me that's the deal three learn yeah that's that's number two for me again my number three is professor of symbology this is one on white for a two one when it etbs you learn Ooh, i like it that card's real good maybe that should be in mine it is not mostly because i've drafted some savagely good returned past caller decks with day of judgment and some other stuff in practice drafts i've done so i'm probably a little high on it yeah (laughs) 
Um, yeah, but return pass caller is three red white for a, and a lore hold hybrid, six mana total. Uh, for a four two flyer, when it ETBs, you return a spirit, an instant, or a sorcery from your graveyard to your hand. And there's also sweet stuff you can do like milling yourself and then getting return pass caller kind of as a tutor to rebuy the spells. I don't know. I'm re- I'm really excited about that version of lore hold. Yeah, that's a really good card. It's just hard for me to like comparing a two drop versus a six drop is just tough for me. Yep. Amen. And then our our number one here is Quintorius Field Historian, three red white for a two four spirits you control get plus one plus zero, oh, and whenever one or more cards leave your graveyard, you make a three two spirit token. Yeah, cards busted. All right, that takes us to Quandrix to wrap things up here in the number five slot. I've got Quandrix Pledge Mage. This is one Quandrix Quandrix hybrid mana for a two two Magecraft. And whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, put a plus one plus one counter on Quandrix Pledge Mage. I'm, you'll be shocked to know that did not make my top five. <laughs> uh, my number five is Professor of Zoomancy. Okay. That's actually my number one in Quandrix. Whoa. It's just raw stats. Like the one one's going to be a speed bump. You just want to survive to big mana. I don't know. All right. So what's your what's your number four? My number four is Frost Trickster. That's two in a blue for the flyer that taps something down. Yeah, I have that at number one for me. So that's, again, like our one of our big differences here. All right. What's your number four? My number four is Field Trip, so I'm going like full synergy here for the the other three. So Field Trip is two and a green sorcery, search your library for a basic forest, put it into play tapped, and then learn. Yeah, I'd buy that. My number three is Fractal Summoning. Um, That's the lesson that you can pay Quandrix, Quandrix, and X and make an XX Fractal token. Yeah, I think that's going to be really important, like top end like i I recognize that you're not paying a good rate for it but then just like to dump that once you get to seven mana or whatever or even your eight mana threshold like just having a sort of quote-unquote free five five or six six feels good my number three is eureka moment two green blue for an instant draw two cards and then you can put a land from your hand onto the battlefield Ooh, we're a little all over the place here in quandrix that did not make my list yeah I, i was thinking more synergy based in terms of the the cards that help you accelerate to the, the eight mana stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. My number two in Quandrix is Biomathematician. This is the one green blue for a two two. And when it ETBs, you make a zero zero fractal token and then put a plus one plus one counter on each fractal you control. Yep, that's my number two as well. All right. And then number one, I said was Professor of Zoomancy for me. And your number one was Frost Trickster, right? Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to the Uncommons, home stretch. Yeah. My number three slot, I've got Quandrix Cultivator. This is the one green blue and then a Quandrix hybrid. For a three four, when it ETBs, you can search your library for a forest or an island and put it onto the battlefield yeah that card's great that's my number two actually my number three shout out to the lord's limited preview card i got bookworm as my number three quandrix uncommon that's the eight mana seven seven trample gains three life draws a card and then you can uh, put it from your graveyard into your library three from the top yeah that should probably be in mine instead of quandrix apprentice my number two is quandrix apprentice it should probably be bookworm i think you're right about that and the apprentice is good. Yeah, it's good, but it's not vital the way Bookworm. Bookworm is the best threat at common or uncommon in the format. And it, I and I think it's like one of the best payoffs for going hard after the get to eight mana thing. Right. So yeah, Quandrix Apprentice, green, blue for a 2-2, Magecraft, whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, look at the top three cards of your library. You can reveal a land from among them and put it into your hand. Yeah, I like that card a lot. And then we've both got Zimone Quandrix Prodigy as our number one. Yeah, she is busted. Any any final takes here? You know, I thought with us doing the full uh, the archetype breakdown last weekend that uh, that this episode might be a little shorter than our normal crash course, but there's tons to talk about in this set. There is tons to talk about. I think my current 
view on the format is I, I haven't generally loved gold sets. I liked Ravnica Allegiance much better than I liked Guilds of Ravnica. And based on this, and maybe it's just like I haven't played with the cards yet and I'm excited for the college theme, but I am more excited about this than I was either of those two formats. I don't know. It feels like this is deep. The mystical archives in the practice drafts I've done have felt like they are, you know, a lot of them are tailor-made to fit well into the format. I think there's going to be a lot of spicy stuff to get up to with storming potentially and taking extra turns and wrathing with the mystical archive cards. It feels powerful. And I'm excited to get in there and draft and see what the format's all about. Yeah, me too. Amen. I'm very, very excited to dive into these five colleges. All right. Hopefully we bestowed wisdom on you to dominate your pre-release or to dominate on Team Prismari with me in the channel Fireball uh, Wizards Strixhaven release party. Team Witherbloom for life, baby. Yeah. So good place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you are heading over to CFB for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL at checkout to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at Lords of Limited at gmail.com thank you so much for listening and we will catch you later this week for our 200th episode that'll be our bonus episode for april and then next week again for another episode of lords of limited thanks everybody see you later What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. 
Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.